Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. Today, I want to talk to you on the subject title. Uh, the message I, God gave me for you today is, t- I want you to title this message today, All of It. Say it with me, All of It. I believe many churches, they live with some of it, but they don't ever go after all of it. And I want you to know that here at Oceans Church, we're not going to get into anything that Jesus wasn't into. But if God was into it, Jesus was into it, you better believe that Oceans Church is going to get into it. Can I get an amen? Amen. We're not going to be scared of anything that Jesus was not scared of. And so if Jesus said that he was into the things of God, the Spirit of God, then we're going to be into the things of God, into the Spirit of God. And we're going to have a good time today. If you believe it, come on, give me an amen on credit. All right, Acts chapter 2, I'm going to kind of paraphrase here. If you read the story, Acts chapter 2 is a famous story we've been reading about the last few weeks about the the birth of Christianity. I don't know if you know this, but Christianity was born in a prayer meeting with 120 people in an upstairs room of a house. These 120 people had this hurricane, gale force wind blow through the whole town of uh, Jerusalem. It actually filled the room that they were in. The Bible says that everyone in the room all 120, which I'll talk about this next week, so you don't want to miss next week. I'm going to be tackling some controversial doctrines next week and giving you our naturally spiritual but spiritually natural view. I would like to qualify because I always feel the resistance when you mention the Holy Spirit in Orange County that we are not going to be a weird church. Can I get an amen for some relief? Praise God. We're going to leave right now. Uh, I do want you to know there's some churches that are full of the Holy Spirit that are kind of weird. But those people that lead those churches would be weird without the Holy Spirit. Four honest people, and I'm talking about here. So we're going to have a good time. And our heart at Ocean's Church is to have a shallow end and to have a deep end, but to never drown anybody by pushing them into the deep end. We're going to teach you how to swim. And I promise that when you learn how to swim in the, in the knowledge and the understanding of God and the Holy Spirit, you will never be scared of the deep end again. It's a great thing. Parents, where you at? How many know it's a good day when your little babies learn how to swim? I don't have to worry about them falling in. They're not living on, like, perpetual alert. When my little five-year-old got good at swimming, I'm like, praise the Lord. Like, the stress level dropped significantly. And I believe in church, the same thing is true, that when we actually start welcoming God in and we learn about who he is, we don't have to be scared of anything that Jesus taught us about. And everyone said amen. So I want to talk to you today about all of it. In Acts chapter 2, there's a story about the church starting. Peter gets full of the Holy Spirit, starts speaking in tongues, and the word tongues is actually the word glossae in the Greek language. It comes from the word glossary. It means languages. These these basically backwoods hillbillies start speaking fluently in other languages they've never studied. So everyone in the city starts coming into where the prayer meeting came out, and they see these non-educated Galileans speaking fluently in languages they've never studied, the wonderful works of God. Everyone's freaking out. Peter gets up, preaches this prolific message, and at the end of his message, basically saying, you guys crucified the Son of God. It says that his message was so fiery, so powerful. Verse 37, I'm going to read 10 verses. After the crowd, 3,000 heard his message, they were cut to the heart. Say with me, cut to the heart. I want to encourage you that church shouldn't just be a place that heals your heart. Sometimes God has to cut us before he heals us. Some say with me, conviction. Who's ever had the Holy Spirit call you higher? People go, I don't like going to some churches because I feel uncomfortable. Then I'm like, 
I don't like going to some gyms. Because I got some demonic trainers that like to see me sweat. But usually discomfort in gyms is a sign of growth coming. And I would say the same thing is true in church, that when God begins to challenge us, it's usually a good sign that growth is coming. Can I get an amen? Amen. They were cut to the heart. They said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, man, brethren, what shall we do? I would say to you that great churches are places you leave wanting to do something. Not just going, I think I feel better about living in this dark lifestyle. Church should always challenge us to go after more of God. Get quiet up in here. Then Peter said to them, this is where it gets really fun and popular, repent. How many love this preacher? He says this most, one of the most unpopular words in the, in the English language, repent. And let every one of you be, every one of you, every, notice here, it doesn't say just the pastors. He said, let every single one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission, the forgiveness of your sins. And you, who are we talking about? Who's the you in this passage? Everyone. And you, everyone, shall receive the Holy Spirit. For the promise, who is the Holy Spirit, is to you and to your children and to those like Mark Francie who are afar off. And he says this, as many as the Lord our God will call. Verse 40. And with many other words, they were long-winded back then too. They actually testified and exhorted the crowd, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received the word were baptized. That day, about 3,000 souls were added to the church. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine teachings, in fellowship and breaking of bread. That actually in the Greek language means Chick-fil-A. Hashtag Christian chicken. Come on, somebody. Close on Sundays. It says this, breaking of bread, it says that they, uh, they continued also in prayers, and then great fear came upon every soul. Many, not some, not a little, but say it with me, many. How many believe in a God that still does? Many. Many wonders and signs were done by, through the apostles. Now all who believed were together. They had all things in common. They sold their possessions and their goods. They actually divided, gave them away freely to anyone as they had need. So continuing daily with one accord, daily with one accord, daily with one accord in the temple, the church, breaking bread house to house, they ate their food with gladness, simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with some, no, no, with favor with all people. And the Lord added, the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Last week we had 47 people the Lord added. Come on, give God a hand clap for that. That was the most people ever in one Sunday at our church. 47 souls. Five online, 42 in person. And uh, we're going to have a good time today. Why don't you do me a favor, bow your heads uh, and close your eyes. Father, I just thank you for your sweet presence that's in this tent. I thank you for our friends that are watching online. I pray even now that we would get ready to share this message, maybe on Facebook. And I ask you that everyone that watches it would encounter the goodness and the reality of who you are. God, we love you so, so much. I pray you'd have your way today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Come on, everybody said, I remember growing up, uh, I went to a place that really boggled my mind. I'd say one of my earliest memories of being in awe and in wonder was my first time to this great place called Costco. 
Costco blew my mind. I'd never been anywhere in my whole life like this great store. I was shocked when I came to it. Uh, there was, again, such an awe and reverence when I showed up to Costco. It's, it's an, it really is an amazing place. As an adult, I've realized it's the only place that you go to save money by spending everything that you have. Yeah. Costco is uh, it, it's really a sign and a wonder. It's, it's a hobby for some people. Some people would say, yes, I like golfing, surfing, and Costco. I don't go there to buy things. I just go there to walk the aisles. I have friends in Idaho that are like, look, i got to get some exercise. I can't go outside. I'm going to Costco. Costco's become a gym for some people. Love Costco's because it sounds like a membership. It sounds like it's going to be exclusive, but it's actually for anyone that's willing to pay. And this exclusive membership gives you access to spending all your money. My earliest memory, I was thinking five or six years old, we go to Costco, and I remember being struck by, I had never before, and to be honest, since, ever gone to a grocery store that had industrial-grade orange military carts to buy groceries with. I thought to myself, am I at a grocery store, or am I getting ready to load torpedoes at a naval shipyard? This is crazy. I got on this orange industrial cart. We... We had to show the lady. It was like secret service at the door. And my mom had to show him a picture ID. I'm like, is this a grocery center or the Pentagon? And she gives a nod. Yeah, you're okay to come in. So we go in the store. We start walking around the store. I, I was struck right away by the Texas-sized televisions that you see upon entering the store. I was... Uh, I was also struck by the, the size. It was like the size of Lockheed Martin's airplane hangers. It was massive. It was crazy. My first impression was, this place is unbelievable. I, I, I love the summer section of Costco. They have military platoon-sized tents hanging from the rafters with rafts that seat 27 people. I've never been somewhere that sold in bulk. I remember thinking, what if you needed one toothbrush? Too bad. You're not getting one toothbrush. You're getting 27. I started walking around this store, and I started, this again, this is just a sign and a wonder. But I just, you know, and can I be honest? If I could be, if you work at Costco, let me just help you out. Let me answer this question for you. Do you need a box? Yes. We all need boxes. We ain't carrying this out one by one. I remember going to Costco, though, as a kid, and, and one of my favorite things that really changed my life is I, I'll never forget, without question, what hooked me to this devil, devilishly addictive store was the red and white little tablecloths covering their sample sections. I would say up there on the list of great travesties of 2020 was the loss of samples at Costco. I'm like, Lord, when revival comes and this goes away, God, bring back the samples. I remember walking by and you see this little, little table, right? It was covered with a package of the product, maybe a microwave or a Coleman stove. Usually an older lady chanting what appeared to be a memorized script to everyone and no one at the same time. You ever seen these people? They have this script. It's like, who are you talking to right now? But needless to say, whatever they were pushing, I was always interested. I can't tell you how many times as a kid, even as an adult, I would try things that I normally would never buy that I would taste it, I would be struck by it, and I'd end up going to whatever refrigerator they sold that product. 
I would be on the record, I would like to go on the record to say that Costco samples are worth the investment, sometimes. Sometimes they have samples that really everyone knows what it tastes like already. But we line up anyways, don't we? And you have to have that look on your face like you're interested, like, oh, yeah, I've never had macaroni and cheese? Is that butter you put in that? But I'll be honest, there were some things that ended up in my cart because I tasted it. I was praying this week, and I just really felt like the Lord said, this is going to be a sample Sunday. Can I get a good amen? I feel like a sample Sunday because many people, they don't realize... If I could be honest, most of us are raised in a home that my mom and my dad bought groceries. And when you started adulting, whatever that means, you started going to grocery stores and you bought the same sour cream your mama bought. Picked out the same cans of vegetables your parents bought. And it's funny that we are creatures of the environment that we are raised in. And many times we've hardly ever deviate off of the environment that we were raised in. If we're using an illustration of food and groceries, most of us, we don't, we don't vary very far off the script of what mom and dad raised us with what they fed us. And I would say the same thing spiritually is true of everyone, that many of us are a byproduct theologically of the environment that we were raised in. We prescribe to the same churches our parents went to. We prescribe to the same beliefs that mom and dad had. If they were hippies, usually our proclivity to be hippies is very high. If they were very religious, usually we become pretty religious. And I would tell you today this, that one of the greatest things I learned how to do as I got older was to start letting my wife and the sample lady at Costco challenge what I normally would buy and to start putting some new things in my cart. Problem most of us is we are creatures of habit. We want what we've always had. But as I prayed this week, I sensed God so strongly saying, Mark, tell my people that there are samples that I want to give out that would incite a new hunger to go after a greater, a greater list of things that are available. You see, many people, I believe, they die and go to heaven without accessing much of what Jesus died to give us on earth. You see, Jesus didn't just die to get us into heaven. I believe that Jesus died to allow some of what is in heaven to invade our lives while we're on the earth. If you believe it, you can put your hands together for a second. I'm telling you today, it's so important. So I believe God wants to give us a, a sample and put new groceries in our cart. I look around America today and the world today, and I see a world that has more darkness, more evil. I see more things divided than I've ever seen in history, in my, in my history. But I know this, that the church has to look more like the book of Acts, the more that culture looks like Rome. We have to be on the same page that we need the power that the early church had to be the Christians that we read about today. Many people are living with much less than what Jesus died to give us. I believe that today we're in the end times and there's, we're closer. People say, Mark, are we, in the, are we in the last days? And my response is always the same. I know that today we are one day closer to the end than we were yesterday. It's a safe answer. You can take some Tylenol if that blew your mind. I believe there's five stages, though, of spiritual flourishing. And if I'm being really honest with you, I think most Christians and even believers, people that love God, they settle in their life for less than what Jesus died to give them. Can you imagine how irritating it would be to work your whole life to build a great empire and have a lot of wealth? Only for your kids at the end of your life to say, I don't want anything that you ever worked for or not. 
I would rather live homeless under a bridge than accept anything that you worked hard to give me. And I believe today that is a picture of what many Christians do theologically. Is we say, yeah, God will get me to heaven, but that's all he's ever going to do for me. You see, God doesn't care that much, and God is not that powerful. But I like to push back on both lies that God is powerful, and God does care. If you believe it, come on, say amen. I believe there's five stages of spiritual flourishing, and I'm telling you today at Ocean's Church, we don't want some of it. We want all of it. You want to make this church your home, I'll tell you what we're going to go after. We're going to go after everything that Peter, James, and John went after. We're going to go after what the early church built their church on. We will build with the same materials that the book of Acts built with. And what we see here is that there was five stages, and if I'm being honest today, everyone in this tent and online, you are in one of these five places today. I believe if you're here today, the first stage of everyone that's in this tent, in your walk with God or your journey with discovering who God is, is the first step, it's called discovery. Say it with me, discover. I believe that every single person under the sound of my voice, uh, could, before you get close to God, there's always this curiosity stage. I call it holy curiosity. Moses saw a bush on fire burning, but it was not consumed. And something inside of him goes, I got to turn aside and see this great sight. Andrew had to get his brother Peter and say, hey, I think I found the Messiah. Philip grabbed Nathaniel and said, hey, I think we found the Christ. And the woman at the well left her buckets, went into the city and said, come see a man who told me everything that I've ever done. I believe that God will put people in your path that would put a curiosity about God in your heart. Can I get an amen? Many of you today are in this tent because you had a mom that was curious. You had a dad that was curious. You had a coworker that invited you that said, I know God and God can know you. And usually we start a journey with God because somewhere on the way, we start discovering that there is more than what we currently have. Would you say with me, there's more? I want to argue today that whether you've been a Christian your whole life or this is your very first time ever watching or being in a church, I would argue today that whether you have a lot of God or a little of God, there is more. There is more of God than I currently know, and there is more of God than I currently have. If you believe it, can you say amen? Who would agree with that today? Do you believe that's true? I mean, listen, eternity is not enough time to discover the depths of God. Do you know that we can learn a hundred new things about God every day for the next 20 million years and God would still have more things to learn? He is inexhaustible. And today I would say if you want to discover something about God, let me say number one, we're going to discover three things about God in this church. If you're here, I want to tell you number one, I want you to learn in this church that you can discover who God is and live for him. Peter says three things. It's interesting. He doesn't just say believe in him to repent. He says, he says three things. The first thing he started with, though, is they said, what shall we do? He said, you want to know the truth? It was not nails that put Jesus on the cross. It was love for humanity. And it was his dire to deal with your sins. So what we do is we acknowledge that we need a Savior. And if you do not think you need a Savior, I want you to think about what do you do with all the bad that you've done in your life? You can't do enough good deeds. Christianity is not moralism. It's not outweighing good with bad. It's acknowledging that I was born a sinner and I am in need of someone to save me. 
and the only one qualified is the only one that died without ever sinning. So the first thing we do, you're here today, Mark, what can I discover? You can discover, number one, that I can, I can use this word, I'm going to explain it, I can repent. Some of you have no idea the truth, but the truth is, if we're being very honest in this church, you have the power to choose, and the word repent means this, it means change your mind. You know what some of you need to do today? You need to change your mind about God. He is not the source of your pain. He's not the root of your problems. He's the source of your solution. He's actually the source of the God that can heal your broken heart. And today, I would challenge you to discover that God is a God that loves you. And if you'll change your mind, God will begin to change your actions. And when God changes your mind, it changes your actions. You begin to believe. And this is what happens. When you believe in him, we believe because he calls us. He cleans us. He communes with us. And guess what he does? I'll tell you this. He'll actually commission us. First thing that you can discover today is that God made me for his pleasure. I want you to know that you weren't, look, some of you are like, my parents weren't planning on having me. Well, guess what? God was. You might have shocked your mom and dad, but you did not surprise God. God knew what he was doing when he made you. Some of you think, man, I don't know, you don't know my past. I've lived, and I'm going to get to that in a second, but I want you to know, discover number one, that no one else has the power to determine how close you live to God. You are the author of who, how close you get and how much of God you live with. So number one, I would tell you that Peter says three things that you can discover. You can change your mind about God. And when you do, you can get water baptized. I want to remind you of the ancient world, this was actually offensive to Jews. The only people that got water baptized in that day were actually non-Jews that were converting to Judaism. So when he says to Jewish people, oh, you want to do something with your faith? Believe in him and repent. And after you do, Jewish people, I want you also to get water baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And they're like, uh, that is kind of a, that's kind of a disrespectful request. He says, I don't care if it, listen, Christianity is not about comfort, it's about obedience. And he says, I want you to get water baptized. And then they go, all right. And then he goes further than this. This is interesting. Most churches settle with one or two, but they never talk about the third thing that Peter says. This, this audience goes, what do we got to do to live for God? He said, repent, change your mind. He says, be baptized. And by the way, in America, we've kind of glamorized baptism into like a quinceanera or a sweet 16 birthday party. And I got to have all my family there. And we got to have video cameras. And the stars got to be lined up. It's got to be a full moon. Like we make it some weird like festival when really it's just an outward act of I am going all in with my faith. I'm not living 50%, 70%. Philip told the Ethiopian eunuch, he says, if you believe with all that you got that Jesus is real, then you can get baptized. So baptism is the second thing, but the third thing that most, most pastors don't talk about is he said, all right, you want everything? Repent, be water baptized. And, and the third thing is I want you to be filled receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a lot of uh, mis miscommunication and I would say fake news in the church. Can I say that? That's applicable right now, isn't it? A lot of fake news in the church about who the Holy Spirit is. And next week, I'm going to do my best to untangle the lies because if I was the devil, what I would do is I would try to put as much red tape around the source of God's power as I could. 
I would try to get Christians so scared of the Holy Spirit because I would know as the devil that if they got a hold of the Holy Spirit, it would actually give them the power to overcome. It actually give them the power to live like Jesus lived. So if I was the devil and I was leading hell, I would convince, man, Christians in America, look, you need God the Father, you need God the Son, and you need God the Holy Scriptures. You do not need the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to go in on this next week even more. But I want to tell you today this, that we discover this, that he offers three things. Believe, be baptized, and be filled. Stay with me. Come on. Amen. Amen. And I want you to know that is the birthright of every one of God's kids. No, it's for pastors to be filled. No, that's for every single one of God's kids. And I'll tell you right now, there's five stages that we, today, you might be in the discovery stage, and this might be news for you. I want you to know, I was at a memorial service yesterday for a young man that passed away, came to our church off and on, and he's an awesome young man. And I'll tell you, there's something about death that reminds us about the purpose of life. Some of you, the older you get, you know this, that it's like, man, I don't care about the things I used to care about when I was 20 or 30. Seems like sometimes you get older and wiser. Sometimes you just get older, though. Come on. (laughs) Wisdom and age don't always travel together, right? (laughs) Sometimes they do. And when they do, you realize this, that, that, man, in the light of death, it reminds me of what life is all about. I want to tell you that life is about discovery, but it's, it's, it's past just discovering. Number two, it's about some of you are here today, and you've discovered maybe that God's real. But you've never, number two, you've never desired God. Some of you had Christian moms and dads and family members and friends. But if we're being honest, you've always lived in their smoke. You've never had your own fire. And I feel like the Lord today just said, you know what I want to do to my kids? I want to give them their own desire for me. Can I just tell you, you don't have to live off your husband's prayers or your wife's prayers. You don't actually have to live with your mom and dad's relationship with God. I believe secondhand Christianity is killing way more people than anything else. Secondhand smoke kills people, but so does secondhand Christianity. You need your own personal desire. God wants you to have your own. I don't care. Well, I'm a guy. And I just like watching football for 72 hours a day. Come on. You need your own fire. Well, I'm just, a, I, I just, a, I'm just busy working. I'm a CEO. I'm, I'm too busy. Listen, I don't care if you're in a boardroom, a classroom, or in your bedroom. We all need the Holy Spirit. We need a desire for God. Acts 2.41 says that they actually, they actually received the word gladly and they were baptized. They had a desire. And I'll tell you right now that God, I want you to catch this really clearly. Because some of you have never had much of God in your life before. And I'll tell you the secret. It's because you've never asked him for more. You see, God's a gentleman. Some of you think that he's going to, you watch Christian TV and you think God's going to show up and start pushing people on the ground. And cramming his, his presence down your throat and pulling out your old desires with you tug of warring on the same time. God does not come and take anything that we do not approach and freely give him. Say it with me, he's a gentleman. And the truth is, some of you have very little of God because you've never asked him for more of him. I felt, I felt appetite coming today. Sam, can you come up here on the keys? I'm going somewhere. I feel his presence already. You see, desire, it says in the book of Acts, or book, the book of Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, correct that real quick, is Luke chapter 11 says, if you ask, if you seek, if you knock, he says the door will be opened, God would respond, and, the, and, and, and actually you would find what you're looking for. Do you know what the context of Luke 11 is? He says he's talking about the Holy Spirit. 
And isn't that funny? And I, I, I'm going to talk about this next week because I'm going to talk about tongues and things that most pastors are scared to talk about on Sunday. But I would say this to you, that one of the things that was interesting to me is when people say, well, you can't ask for the Holy Spirit, Mark, because you could get like Bezelbub. <laughs> like Jezebel could come if you pray for the Holy Spirit. Like I've seen it. Like they get weird. I want you to know, mark my words. Can I ask you a logical question? If you ask God today for a job and tomorrow you get a job, who acknowledges that God heard your prayer? Four people in here honest? If you ask God to marry someone amazing and you start meeting someone awesome, how many say, God's heard my prayer? How many say, Mark, I need a miracle. i got to pay a bill. And tomorrow a check comes in the mail for the exact amount. God heard my prayer. So why would you ever think that the devil has the power? When you say a, a pure prayer from your heart, Holy Spirit, fill my life. That somehow some defensive back from hell jumps up 94 feet in the air and intercepts your honest prayer and says, uh-uh, you ain't getting the Holy Spirit. You're getting a scorpion. You're getting a snake. You're getting a stone. I think one of the most irreverent things that pastors and Christians that have never encountered the Holy Spirit can teach the body of Christ is that the things of the Holy Spirit are from hell. I want you to know that if loving the Holy Spirit is of the devil, he failed. Because every time I commune with the Holy Spirit, I love Jesus more. Every time I pray in the language that God has given me, I love the scriptures more. I love preaching more. I love people more. I feel his love. I feel his grace. If the Holy Spirit is not a gift from God, hell has failed. Because he's the greatest power source of my life. And he is what makes Ocean's Church what it is. And I'll tell you that he'll never come in your life if you disrespect him. And he'll never knock on your door if you have an irrever irreverent attitude towards him. You make fun of him. You make fun of these. Look, there are some weird, eccentric pastors out there that are pro-Holy Spirit. But listen to me. Just because they're eccentric does not mean the Holy Spirit is. Are you hearing me? And do not ever wash the baby down the drain with the bathwater. Because again, I'll be honest. If I was the devil, I would make people as scared of the Holy Spirit as I could. Because he is the most powerful thing that could change their life. We desire him. Raise your hand if you desire him today. You desire the Holy Spirit. And not only do we go from discovery to desire, I'll tell you that we have to take the third step. Some of you are starting to desire God in this church like you never have. Some of you thought you were going to die with the same cold heart that you were born with. But I got news for you. God brought you here to put a new desire in your heart. And listen, when he puts a new desire in your heart, you know what's going to happen, number three? You're going to enter the third stage of spiritual flourishing, which is decision. Stay with me. Decide. I'm telling you that when you have enough of God's desires in you, you'll start making decisions. You'll actually start deciding. You'll say, I'm going to make a personal choice. I'm going to receive God's word gladly, and I'm actually going to take action. I'm going to get baptized. In the birth of the church, 3,000 people make a decision. They made a decision. Some of you think, Mark, I can't make a decision for God. You don't know me. I'm too bad. I want to remind you today that if you think you lie too much, Abraham was a liar. If you think that you're, you're, you're too deceptive, you've made too many bad deals, I want to remind you that Jacob was a deceiver. If you're here today and you think, man, I'm an excuse maker and I've murdered some people, I've buried some people with my words and my lifestyle, I want to remind you that Moses was a murderer. That Moses had excuses that he wasn't, he wasn't a good enough talker to be used by God. I want to remind you if you had an affair, 
if you've actually committed adultery, if you murdered somebody, that David was an adulterer and a murderer, yet a man after God's own heart. I would remind you today, if you think you're too worldly, you've been a part of sexual practices and dark arts and mediums and sorcerers and witchcraft and the occult, I want to remind you that Solomon was pagan at times too. God still had a hold of Solomon's heart. Maybe you're a complainer, you're a powder. So was Elijah the prophet. Maybe you like the ladies, Pastor Mark. You don't know me. I, I just like the ladies. So did Samson. Some of you are like, Mark, I drink too much wine. I'm a wino. Noah was a wino. He got drunk. He got so drunk that he was butt naked in his tent. He was really drunk. And I want you to know that God could use a drunk like Noah. I want to let you know that maybe you were a prostitute. God used Gomer and Rahab for his glory. Mark, I've cheated people financially. Well, Matthew was a tax collector. And he cheat people too. You don't know, you understand, Mark? I've denied Jesus. I made fun of Christians. So did Peter. I actually persecuted the church. So did the Apostle Paul. I want you to know that no one in this room or online is outside of the reach of God's love. And he'll put a desire. Come on, if you believe it. Give him a hand clap. Come on, just honor him today. That none of us are outside of his reach. He'll thaw your cold heart. And relationship with God is not for perfect people. It's for hungry people. It's for hungry people. And I feel desire coming in today. You know why? Because we're going to start actually desiring God in a way to start making some decisions for God. Some of you need to make a decision to get baptized this week. Some of you got baptized 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 20 years ago, and you were not living with God with all your heart. And I would say if you fully believe in this season of your life, it's time to get fully dipped again. It's time to go all in with your faith. It's time to say, God, I don't just believe in you. I'm going to get baptized. I'm not going to just get baptized. I want to get filled with the power of your sweet Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you that when you go from deciding and, and desiring, you'll start living in this space I call the season of delight. Delighting in God is one of the greatest things you can delight in. There is nothing like his presence. I've been addicted to the presence of God ever since I had countered him. Some people say, you're addicted. I'm like, I'm addicted to the Word of God. How do you take it? I take it one line at a time. Come on, somebody. I love this book. I love the presence that accompanies this book. There is no other high in the world like the power of the Most High. And I tell you today, if you're a heroin addict, if you've done meth or cocaine, if you're addicted to alcohol, you like being buzzed, you like the feeling of being high, I'm telling you today, there is a greater high to experience. And he'll rid you of that demon of darkness that's a counterfeit high. I love his presence. I delight in his presence. We start delighting in the apostles' teaching and fellowship and small groups and breaking bread and prayer meetings. I'm telling you that the company of God is the richest resource on the earth. People go, Mark, well, no, I love what God gave me. You know what's better than anything he'll ever give you? is himself. Moses was no dummy. Moses goes, if you don't go with me into the promised land, you can keep it. Because the promised land without the promiser is worthless. I don't care about the house and the spouse. If I don't have you, I ain't going. I'm not going. We're going to be a church. Listen to me, Oceans. We're going to delight in God. Sundays are going to be our great honor, not our great obligation. 
So many Christians hate going to church and they've lost the desire of delight. How many love the presence of God? He's here. I feel us going to a new level of delight. And I'm almost finished. Is we're going to go from delight. You know, it says in Psalms 37, 4, that if we delight ourselves in Him, that He would put desires in our heart that He would give us. When I was younger, I used to think, well, if I delight in God, He'll give me everything that I want. But what I discovered was, as I delighted in God, I got rid of my list. I started going after His list. And that's the list that God promises to give us. We delight. And I think many people, they... Maybe, maybe at some point you discovered God, you, you, you even had a, a desire for Him, maybe even made a decision for Him. And if we're being honest, one day out of the week, you even delight in Him. But the problem I see with many Christians that live bipolar Christian lives is that they don't ever get to the fifth stage of Christian flourishing, which is realizing that your walk with God is not once, it's daily. Which write this powerful, powerful word down, write it down, say daily. I believe the secret to walking in all that God made you with and for is choosing to live with God daily. You know the good news is about a bad day? Is that you're always 24 hours away from a new opportunity. It says that His mercies are new each morning. Great is God's faithfulness. Do you know that daily, it says that these people were in one accord. Daily they broke bread. Daily they had gladness and simplicity of heart. Daily they praised God and they had favor with all people. Daily the Lord added to their number those that were being saved. Say it with me, daily. I want you to know that we are not going to be a church that honors God one day a week. We're going to be a community that lives for Him daily. Are you hearing me today? Daily. I don't know which category you're in today. Some of you, this is your first time and you're in the discovery stage. I feel the love of God come in this room. I feel like today's the day that we're going to start making room. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.